Good evening. Welcome to Pushing Boundaries with TNA. I'm T. And I'm A. And we're pushing your boundaries on conventional thought. And tonight we're talking about masculinity. We're talking about prostate pleasure and strap-ons and how everybody apparently can use them. Yeah, no limitations. Yeah, not just for the gay community, not just for the kinky. And I'm intrigued by this. I don't have a lot of experience with it, but I, I will say I'm curious. We're talking talking with Charlie Glickman tonight. He's a somatic sex educator and sex and relationship coach. And uh, he's fascinating. I, I've been reading his work and it's just... Wow. Yeah. The, the depth and knowledge. I mean, maybe I we all strive to I be so... I feel like a baby that knows nothing <laughs> about sex. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know what I love about doing this show is the more we tap into the community, it's incredible the amount of knowledge that's already there. I, I know. Mean, and know you had no idea. You just need yeah. to read those books, right. check out our podcast, these kinds of things, and then you're, you can become... I know, you know. I know. And T and I thought that we were pretty, you know, seasoned, but I don't know. Well, we're adventurers. We are adventurers. <laughs> uh, you can find Charlie's work at charliegligman.com, but also um, a lot of his coaching work you can find at makesexeasy.com. Uh, so check those out while you're uh, listening in. But um, I love that idea too, yeah. make sex easy. Less make intimidation sex easy, right? around it. Totally. I um, had, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, it just it, it can be fun and easy and not full of shame or fear or you right. know it's like yeah we're all we're all trying to figure out the logistics yeah it's as complicated as building a car <laughs> which you don't think right because like when you first get into it it's like oh sex is just natural da, da, da. but well and this sort of the more i dive of, in you know, the more i discover that there's so many so much bullshit inside of at least my head about it and whatnot which is something i've been going through is taking out some of the weeds around my beliefs around the, with sexuality well which leads our ultimately does not make sex easy yeah yeah right. yeah, yeah, yeah it yeah. doesn't make it easy it does not make it easy. <laughs> and also prevents orgasms yeah ladies <laughs> he's like modus operandi i'm just saying I, hey i am all for the orgasm by the way totally. helped yeah. a friend out yeah a few weeks ago we okay. went shopping got her some sex toys really yeah for what example, did you get her well she is having a hard time orgasming with her partner who she likes a lot and okay. he's really taking an active role because she's never orgasmed during sex oh well that's nice yeah and and he really wants to help her get there that can so add a lot happening. of pressure though <laughs> that's a good point so i said well i said look why don't we try a vibrator during you know while mm-hmm. he's you know i said from if he's coming from behind and you use the vibrator like or you know there's different ways of doing it right um and that can at least facilitate the first time so that True. you can go okay how did that happen and you know back it up but yeah. So and then but it was all the little details Like we went to the store and initially it was like, well, it's the cheapest vibrator. And then but that one is kind of just this little nub that basically gets slippery, to be honest, if you're using it during sex. And right. so it's better to get one that has more of a grip, a handle, because yeah. if it's slipping around and you're almost reaching orgasm, <laughs> that, that's just damn frustrating. It's so frustrating. <laughs> but it was, I don't know. I'm not like an experienced sex toy user. but Right. But it was great to be able to share that with her. And, and oh, yeah. So did she does she have success? Do you know? She I don't think she's getting comfortable using it on her own okay and yeah and i think she's having to overcome that um insecurity of introducing it during sex with him interesting yeah so it's funny that you mentioned that because i was uh taken away for the weekend um with (laughs) with the intention of it being like a sexcapade i suppose a last two raw and um it was the first time i was i used a vibrator during, during sex because I a, am not like I'm more of a natural I have been more of a naturalist and tea and this show has opened me up to the <laughs> pleasures of a vibrator and Aww. having this like crave yeah, <laughs> vibrating we're both wearing it right now we're both wearing our vibrator necklaces <laughs> from crave uh it has actually I don't know helped yeah it's great because it's always there but um yeah. <laughs> just when you need it it's around your neck <laughs> it's like hey why not so anyway so I had so yeah I did and it was it was really, really quick to orgasm, and it was a really deep, wonderful experience. Wow, deep. Yeah. Now, did you did you use it early in the sexual experience or kind of more, you know, and was it um, one orgasm or did you have multiple ones? I had, I can't remember. It was one or two, which is lower for me. Uh, like, I usually do orgasm, multiple orgasm, but I think that was separate issues having to do with my relationship sure, and not connection. a critique on it just right. wondering no i'm just sharing yeah. but uh god i don't remember i think uh no i think there was more manual regular stimulation first and then i we i brought in the vibrator for external the vibrator was just external right it can be nice to bring in later in the game kind of let i brought it know. like mid-game and then took a break and then brought it in like during intercourse and it was oh my it was 
wonderful. <laughs> it's really nice. But I, yeah, I don't know. And I, we were playing with it around my, my ass, but it didn't really oh. do much for me. Oh, interesting. But I'm, st- I'm very like I'm not totally. I haven't totally explored anal Still pleasure, which is around there. Yeah, why we're talking to Charlie tonight. Yeah, I have. To, well, I have to say, I've, I've felt stimulation there definitely, so and it's with well, a vibrator. Oh, yeah. I mean, well. This is I'm saying with a vibrator. I mean, I have had. I, there yes, there was a huge thing with, um, you know, Allison Williams on the show Girls. There's this bit about the one of the opening scenes is like her having, you know, whatever tossed salad, getting oh, right, yeah. and whatever, right, 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 all this, this stuff. And and very yeah, controversial, right? Huge apparently. controversy. And I'm like, shit, it feels good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't like need it. I'm not like this. Definitely has to happen. But guys have definitely done it, and it's nice when it happens. Yeah. No. Sure. Rimming and all. Like yes, in the right moment, everything I think can be pleasurable. Right. It was just. Specifically, I was exploring with the vibrator, and it, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. wasn't wasn't rocking it for you. Not to say that it wouldn't ever. <laughs> so anyway, so that was that was a that was cool. But I have to tell you, so I another part of this uh, revelation this weekend was. Oh, um, can I? I'm gonna yes, answer go that quickly. My, my, I I don't know if I I think I announced this during the holidays, but I gave my I bought a rabbit dildo vibrator oh, for my mother. Mom, yeah. Yes, and while I was traveling, I got a text from her. You know, it took her a while to use it. Like a few weeks had passed, and she said, "Thank you so much for the gift, but I'm traveling. I don't have time to use it, and I really yes. need to be alone to use it. And there needs to be no one in the house." And so finally, I get this text, and it's I maybe it was in caps. It was like, "Thank you so much." <laughs> <laughs> and it was and it was like she said it was really great she said she talked to one of her good friends who's really? her age who uses sex toys and she kind of gave her advice on how to use it and you know and then it's I kept driving so home funny tea yeah it's and so I was funny. like make sure you wash it and then she wrote back washed like done <laughs> <laughs> way to go yeah and she's really um grateful about it. Yeah, yeah grateful and she did say she was saying one of her other friends talking about the children uh that that her children you know get squeamish and they think of her as like this old biddy who doesn't have sex and your mom no no not my mom her friend oh, oh right and okay. they were kind of bonding over this discussion and she said well my daughter you know bought it for me and and i love it and my daughter's so friggin cool yeah basically <laughs> it, was, it was really cute oh um, way you know. to go yeah Aww. yeah it was such a good <laughs> feeling to be able to spread this kind of joy that's cool that's um, very cool. But I thought that was in line with what you're saying about using the vibrator. For the first, yeah. Yeah, during yeah. sex. Yeah, um, yeah. So you were going to continue on about a, a recent revelation you had. During... I did. So I, so I had my first uh, session in my life with a sexological body worker. A guest that we've had on the show. Yeah, You talked about it in our last episode. I did. Which Veronica Monet was our guest, right? Mm-hmm. And you kind of talk about it in the opening. Yeah. Right, yeah. So so listen in on that if you want to hear it. But yeah, Diego Walruff, uh, he's wonderful. Um, and... And he does a, a pelvic a pelvic release. release yeah. It's it's a, it's like a whole massage, session. meditative, masturbating I, combo. <laughs> I don't. I, that's a whole separate show. But like, yeah, yeah. But go ahead. But so you gotta... anyway, so I had my first session with him, not knowing what to expect or anything. So I had a revelation then. You know, during the session, it was a huge release. And then, so in the weeks to come, um, it's like a, a few days ago over this weekend with this with a lover I realized that and I was sort of contemplating I don't know I don't know how it came up but it came up that I realized another sexual hang-up that I had which I come from a fairly typical normal background loving family blah 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 I've always considered myself more sexually open than my friends and adventurous and whatnot so for well, me to your have mom these... talking to you about sex at a young age sure I, mean, I never I, I mean my mom touched on it but I didn't yeah you right know, so pl- and my mom encouraged me to masturbate when I was young wow yeah so yeah. kind of a little more liberal on, on sex right. than maybe the average American but so then to see that these certain hang-ups reside in me is like astounding right mm-hmm. so and and so what came to light was and it's so basic but I realized somehow I was visualizing something in my mind and I saw a comparison and I, and I realized that I'm, I'm comfortable with my sexuality solo and in certain situations. But when, when a man comes in and he has desire for me, it completely changes the game. And there's some part of me, however small that feels, um, uh, a little angry. I don't know if threatened is the right word, but like I need to go on the defense, you know, to protect your territory kind of right. Like his desire is something that 
like it's like this switch that I saw automatically turn on in my head that made me like put me on the guard where I have to be on like regulator mode and like it's almost like a program running that's telling me that he's going to try to take something from me so you need to watch out girl which I know which is so bizarre coming from me and what I thought how I consider myself. And you know? so to make it more literal, you're saying like you're at a party and some guy shows sexual interest. No, maybe this a little is so subconscious. It's okay. so subconscious. And it just came to light. And I was like, wow, no, but like even with my partner that like I know mm. and trust and whatnot, but it just makes me feel like it just makes me tighten entirely. It just right. a little bit to where it, it, it keeps me from really fully surrendering and engaging completely yeah, where you're carrying tensions yeah and again this could be like i think this has been such a subconscious thing also sure at times it's really heightened of someone i'm not comfortable with or whatever but even in regular relationships i think it's still operating and i think it comes boils down to like being taught as a young kid that men who want sex from you or men who want to touch you here or men who da da or whatever that's bad, honey, because you, they don't want, you know, your parents don't want you to get molested or get into an awkward situation. So you're taught that this is a bad thing and that men who want to do these things to you are bad. Right. You know? or, or a threat or dangerous. Right. Totally. Right. right. It's like, so Versus it totally kind of- makes sense that like, well, of course, like this is what I was taught when I was young, you know, and then it's still, it's still inside of me to some degree and totally taking like, um, uh, you know, being relived, even again, even subconsciously or now because it's come to light, like seeing it. So um, so anyway, so I consciously let that go during the weekend when I came up with it or sorry, when it came up like during sex. And um, and I was really able to like it was so much more fun. I don't know. It just changed my experience. Right. Instead of instead of viewing them as a threat, view them as an aid. Help. <laughs> <laughs> it's bizarre like honestly I, I, and again I it's like I'm no I don't have issues so I was just thinking well if I'm thinking this way or if I have this inside of me and this is coming up well, even with like a liberal family right. how much of the culture is is right really the, the embedding strength that of idea. cultural imprinting and what what you learn as a young kid and how that doesn't really shift much right or it can't, I don't know or that or you need to work on it yeah yeah I think that's sort of a, a great introduction into even the discussion of masculinity which we'll talk about with our guest yeah like what does it mean to have masculinity and how do you define it and and I think especially present day it's getting very muddled and confused the more for sure you know the more economic equality there is with women yes you know which I think is a good thing personally right of course personally and so and so how do men you know redefine themselves Right. Or, or yeah. And women are, are struggling to redefine their identity as well. Right. I think we're all sort of this rocking boat. Yeah. And then interacting with one another in a healthy and enjoyable way. Right. So um, do you. Oh, oh well. So, you know, we're just sort of catching up on different sexual thing, you know, where we are right now. And, um, you know, I have been in a rather uh, non-sexual state for almost a month now, again. Wait, 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 wait. That is so not true. What not a mean? month. A few weeks. Oh, come on. It's been a while. It's no, since... it has not. It is. It's since... You... <laughs> what did I like just like <laughs> two weeks ago? Did I forget someone? Oh, my God. You've had like five rotating lovers at once. No, but they're all out of town. Well, since when? Like, what, two weeks? It can't be... It's not a month. I have... I, it's been a while. Really? <laughs> it's been a while. I'm pretty flies. sure the last time was while I was out of town. So it was still during okay. the holiday, kind of post-holiday. It was the first week of January. Okay. So, okay. So excuse me. About a month you've been. So, so there are two, two things that I've, I've discovered. Speaking of um, kind of hangups that you have, I, I have, I'll wake up in the morning groggy pretty regularly. I'm not a big morning person. Um, a couple times I've had really early meetings and I'm thinking, oh my God, the alarm goes off. And I'm just laying there going, okay, you have to get up. I'm not getting up. Ten, maybe 10 more minutes. Well, what's being 10 minutes late? All this, right? Well, is always 10 minutes late. <laughs> yes, exactly. So this is all running in my head in the morning. And I went, oh, Eureka. I'm just going to, maybe I'm just going to have a little orgasm right now. 
I'm going to grab my vibrator and do Great that. way to get the morning going. Yes. And I had never really done that. Ever. Really? In the morning? You've done, you're not a morning masturbator. No, I, I would hate it because I was I'm so religious. groggy and achy. I'm religious about it. I'd be groggy and it. tired. Well, it's It's incredible. like showering for me. Yes. It's better than showering. Are you kidding? I hate showering because it dries out my eyes, all this stuff. I feel terrible you in the morning sh- if I shower. <laughs> <laughs> I never shower in the morning. It always has to be the night before. So I'm in the morning. I'm groggy. I'm slow. I use the vibrator. It's like, or the, I use the rabbit. So it's actually the dildo vibrator. And mm-hmm. I'm... And it, and I have one orgasm. Maybe I even do two, three, whatever. Uh, well, they they can come more quickly with that. Um, sometimes I use porn to get there. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I'll just I have a couple of videos I like. What does it take you like an hour to masturbate? No, it's five minutes. Okay, not I was even. Say. No, I pop on the video, I right. use it, and it's done. Okay, five yeah. minutes. Not right. even. Not within a five minute window, as in you know, right. The whole process, the whole package of googling the the video, <laughs> <laughs> putting the lube on the. Okay, got it, got it, got it. So. And it's and it's just amazing how it gets the blood flowing. It it makes me feel motivated for the day again. I even also noticed I didn't have to always orgasm. Like I a couple times I would just sort of pleasure myself a little bit and be like, all right, that was good enough. I don't have enough time to oh, do the whole thing. I'll just be like, Mah. and it, but it it just the idea that it made me motivated for my goals of the day mm-hmm. was really powerful because I think that in orgasm is that right like that right. that stimulation sexual stimulation in a very visceral primal way um you know it's like your core center right anyway so now i'm like i'm an advocate for that i'm like hey do you have your orgasm this morning <laughs> she's an advocate for orgasms period well but, but like also said, but also sex stimulation very, yes and it's also really important for you body wise so I this think. was my other thing which is going on you know not having sex for Almost a month. I have a, a visitor coming soon. So <laughs> thank God. I know. <sighs> I mean, there there are some interest. Anyway, it's I've been very busy. It hasn't been a, as big of a priority, and I immediately am seeing the same pattern. I mean, there's some of our earlier episodes. I talk about going through a celibacy phase to kind of cleanse coming out of a relationship, all right. this stuff. Um, and I and I immediately saw all the. I'm seeing all the same physical. Um, I don't know if they're ailments, but physical side effects. You know, it's the back knots. I have a little more tension in my jaw. Right. I mean, even one or two days, I kind of had almost like that that sharp pain, like it was hurting. Interesting. Um, yeah. Uh, sh- I said shoulder knots. Um, a little more anxiety. And part of it, maybe you can sublimate through exercise. Like, are you going to the gym regularly as well? I mean, right, these are right. great. That's true. But even so, a gym, you know, did you work all your muscles in a variety of ways? I mean, it's it's not just and, and orgasming, masturbating doesn't relieve this for you. I was I was doing the morning thing. It helps, but it almost seems like a temporary fix. Hmm. It helps, definitely. Um, and then I would do side things. Like I have these rubber balls I roll on my back to deal with knots. I mean, like, and I get that it's you stress know, stuff, but I'm, I was amazed that I, I do, it made me reflect on, I think people underestimate the health benefits around sex and, and it's, and having regular healthy sex. With a partner. Yeah. Um, so interesting. So I was going to make make some naughty little joke about how you like you can't judge like you you need a lover all the time <laughs> i need regular <laughs> sex with needs someone regular who, sex company i enjoy all the time <laughs> at least moderately <laughs> right well and maybe there are you're right people have different um levels of sex needs but i do believe that given all of the barriers all of the mental you know limitations we have even the ones we were just talking about your cultural inhibitions mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are not listening to their bodies in that way. I mean, we have people, you know, even with food and your diet, people yeah. aren't listening to their bodies, right? Yeah, yeah. So, Inter- that's true. You know, how much can can I what my regular saying. sex deal with that stress that people have, high stress, which deals, you know, which causes all kinds of ailments? It's funny because I've never noticed that in myself, having it related to sex. But I exercise and I meditate, and I'm a regular masturbator too. Even really if I am important. having sex. Well, I was going to say. So I, I don't know if that, but I've never, like, even if I'm months of celibacy and I'm, like, it doesn't bother me. My revelation was a little bit around that idea of even if I am having sex, whether I'm or not, I'm not having sex, but am I am I doing that morning masturbation, which is kind of a meditation as well? Yeah. That, you know, it's kind of all of it. Do all of it for positive health. Do um, it all. <laughs> speaking of, I'm, I'm excited to talk with Charlie because I just heard... Even last night I was listening to Loveline a little bit and yeah. there was a a caller who was talking about, um, you know, a, a gay young man mm-hmm. who um, was having some lower sexual energy. But he talked about using uh, – God, what are they called? Sort of those 
almost like a fleshlight, but not yeah. quite like more like that sock that sort okay, of is right. a gel yeah. um, to masturbate, but it almost being a lim- limited for him. I mean, he's and he's generally a bottom in the sexual relationship with a man and okay. needing penetration, right, with the prostate, all this stuff that right. that leads to a better, more fulfilling orgasm. So I thought that was an interesting insight into male pleasure. Right. Well, yeah, male pleasure and, and masturbating. And are you, you know making sure you get what you need in all in all those ways and that's obviously a little bit more challenging for masturbating right doing it yourself that yeah way. right it could become very acrobatic yeah um i yes okay so let's bring on charlie um charlie is a somatic sex educator he's here to talk with us tonight about uh masculinity and uh prostate pleasure and then we're going to talk later on also about strap-ons and how everybody can use them apparently so and i Everybody, everybody, we haven't. So I want to. We're going to push those boundaries because I think probably a lot of people are uncomfortable with this. If right, you're not homosexual. I am. We're gonna. We're gonna. Yeah, but I'm also a little bit curious. I am curious. (laughs) So (laughs) I've been curious for a while and never explored it. So Charlie, are you there? Can you hear us? I am here. It's a pleasure to be here today. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Um. So Charlie's websites makesexeasy.com. And what's the other one? It's charliegligman.com. Right. Glickman, G-L-I-C-K-M-A-N. And uh, make sex easy for more of your coaching work, right? Exactly. Great. So, uh, so Charlie, your work is fascinating, and you're speaking all over California. I know you're going to be speaking at Stanford about masculinity, which I think is fascinating. Um, so... That Stanford's taking an interest? Well, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think it's great. I mean, it's, yeah, a, it's a big topic. Yeah, higher levels of learning are really, you write these education centers are taking the time to, right. to value these things. So wh- what's, um, what's important for you and in, in what you're talking about and, you know, why you're doing all of this? Well, that's a big question. Right? Yeah, it was a big question. You it know, was just in a little you know, intro. The, the, who are you, Charlie, and why do you wake up in the morning? <laughs> Yeah. You know, the, the thing for me is that, um, you know, I, I've been a sex educator since I was 19. Um, I came out as queer when I was in college, a sophomore in college. Okay, and let me just and define I, queer is non, you're not identifying with either gender, correct? Well, no, no, I, I identify as a man, but I'm queer in that uh, I'm sexually attracted to people of different genders. Okay. okay. Yeah. So, uh, but I don't use, I don't like using the word bisexual because there's more than one gen- there's more than two genders in the world. So I prefer the word queer. But that's a whole other topic. Okay. Yes, but, in, but in any case, uh, I started. Uh, I joined my campus LGBT outreach organization, and I was doing you know, the the introductory uh, trainings when new students came in, uh, talking to them about about. Uh, sensitivity to LGBT issues, and of course, people would start asking me questions about safer sex and HIV, because if you're talking to a man who has sex with men, that's a question that comes up. Right. So, okay, so I have, I have to learn about that. And then I realized that I needed to learn how to talk to people about how to have those conversations with their partners, uh, not just the mechanics of safer sex, but how to talk to their partners about it. And then you start getting into the barriers that people have talking to their partners about sex. And eventually I realized that when we're talking about sex, anything and everything in our lives can affect it. Uh, and mm. that's one of the things that I find so fascinating about it because uh, it's endlessly complex. So when I go to these college campuses and I'm talking to them about uh, gender and masculinity and the way that men are taught to not feel our emotions and not talk about how we feel and then the impact that that has on our relationships, that's just as profound a shift for a lot of these folks as when I go in and I teach a workshop on prostate massage or S&M and the more uh, nuts and bolts aspects of sex. Uh, so really for me, it's all, it's all connected. You can't take sex out of the context it's in uh, because that's going to shape what things people think are available to them, how they talk to their partners, what kinds of sex they think they can have, where they go for information, how they feel about all of this. Right. 
Uh, so I, I love going to the college campuses. It's a lot of fun. And well, Stanford usually, in particular is a great place. It's yeah, usually a sure. time where they're, where people, young people are really starting to explore their sexuality, especially in the U.S. I mean, they might be sexually active, but not until college are they, I don't know, being exposed to different things. Or, yeah. And, yeah. yeah, or well, having that, the courage that, to come that's out some gay. Of it, or, but also, you know, it's interesting on the campuses because there's such a there's such an interesting dialogue about some of these issues, and one of the things I would like to do is not just talk about sexuality and the theory and gender issues and social justice issues, but also how does this actually feel in your body and your mind and your heart? How do you know what you really want to do versus what your partner is pressuring you into doing right. or what you think you need to do to be cool or whatever it may be. Right. Being driven by um, something else, which, which I totally relate to. Yeah. 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 And that, that's where the somatic sex education piece comes in. How do mm. you know in your body what you really feel like doing? That's invaluable. Well, yeah. <laughs> and actually, gosh, you're hitting on something where I think my for myself, in some ways, I would err on the side of not going very far, right? I'd be like, no, this is what I like. I don't want to do that. Um, almost you mean not exploring, yeah, or not? not not as exploring. And I, I found that I had a partner that was like, well, let me like do this, and we kind of had a little standoff. And then right. I was like, fine, okay, I'm going to trust you, and you can, you know. And we did. I did learn a lot from him. I had new experiences, and then in a way that, um, and then there were even things where I said, well, that was great. I'm glad I tried it, and it's not really for me. Yeah, but you knew, you knew. It was a safe space. I mean, it was, what, right. did I know what? Well, you knew in your body. You somehow knew what you liked and didn't right. like. Well, let, let me add a little twist to that mm-hmm. because you tried it then, and good for you, and that's awesome that you decided that this isn't what you want to do. But 10 years from now, you might have a different idea about that. That's Just very like true. You, you could, you could go evolving. to a restaurant and try a new kind of food that you've never tried before and then decide that you don't like it, and then you go back five or ten years later, and now it tastes good because our taste changes we get older. So I would suggest to you, book you know, marking. Bookmarking, <laughs> bookmarking your mind for five or ten years from now, go back and try those things again and see if it feels different. Sure. I think that's great. Uh, we're going to take a break real quick, and then we're kind of go- going to come back and talk with Charlie Glickman about uh, prostate pleasure, masculinity, and uh, later on we'll get to... Um, Strap-ons. Tweet us at TA Sex Talk. Pushing boundaries with TNA. I'm T. And I'm A. And we're pushing your boundaries on conventional thought. And tonight we're talking with Charlie Glickman, who's a somatic sex educator and sex and relationship coach. You can find his work at 
charlieglickman.com and uh, makesexeasy.com. And we're talking tonight about masculinity and the modern world and what that means, I suppose. We're just about to launch into that. And later on, we're going to get to uh, some prostate pleasure and uh, using dildos with everyone. Strap-ons. Strap-ons, sorry. Um, Charlie, can I just ask quickly, if it, it can be quick, um, t- defining yourself as a somatic sex educator, and what, what does that mean exactly? Well, you said earlier that uh, a recent guest was a sexological body worker. Mm-hmm. Uh, somatic sex education is just another term for sexological body work. Okay. Uh, so the, the focus is on helping people uh, really feel into their sexual desires and how to stay present and embodied and uh, focused on what they're feeling physically and emotionally during sex, because so many of us tune out or check out or play a movie in our heads or whatever it might be, and that can get in the way of our being able to state our desires or take care of ourselves or get the most pleasure exactly. uh, from sex. As so, well as yeah. maybe even inhibit an orgasm. <laughs> a- absolutely. If you're, if you're busy in your head, it's going to be a lot harder to be in your body. Welcome to my 20s. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I and I, I I do I think this kind of work is invaluable because there is no education about this at all. I don't feel growing up in America at least. And so um so I don't think it's I think it's something to Not put attention on as an adult. Accessible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and and one of the differences is that you can definitely do a lot of exploration with a partner. Uh, one of you mentioned that a little bit earlier and that's that's huge. Uh but there's a way in which when you're having sex with a partner, they have their own desires, their own needs, right. their own agendas. Uh, when my clients come to me, uh, they don't have to worry about taking care of me. We, we have a clean container because it's a professional dynamic in right. the same way that you know, when you go to a therapist, you don't have to ask the therapist how they're doing that day. Right. Um, and, and so you actually get to focus all on you without having to be concerned about that. So it's a it's a different way of exploring some of those edges. Yeah. And that's, I think, what I was talking about earlier, like the revelation I had after the session was that on my own with my, the therapist or person I was working with, I experienced my sexuality in one way. When I the thought entered of bringing in a male partner with his own desire, it completely shifted me in every way. Um, so, so it is interesting, and I encourage everyone to check out Charlie's work and uh, and open up to bringing this kind of body work and therapy into your lives because it's really important. I think, Charlie, I wanted to ask you. So, we're getting into masculinity, and I think I feel like this is such a big topic nowadays. But I mean, where do you even? How do you even define masculinity nowadays? I think it's so much more of a cultural thing. Where Where are you in this work? What What are your thoughts on this? Well, when I teach workshops on the topic, which I've been doing for about 20 years now, I actually do a brainstorm exercise. Uh, and if you go to charlieglickman.com, I have a blog post called The Performance of Masculinity, where I uh, sort of lay out the results that we get from the brainstorm exercise. Um, and what I do is I ask the group uh, to describe different aspects of, quote-unquote, a real man. What does he look like? What does he wear? What does he do for a living? What are his relationships like? What's his sex life like? And I've been doing this exercise for a long time with groups of all different genders and ages and races and backgrounds and sexual orientations, and the list that we get is pretty consistent. Um, For example, the first question that that I ask is... uh, Describe what a real man looks like physically. Hmm. And there, there are three words that come up over and over and over again in the first three. Tall. They are tall. What's another one? Muscly, broad shoulders. Exactly. Tall, muscled, and strong. Hmm. Interesting. Those, okay. those, at least two Alpha of those now. three words come up every single time I've done this exercise. Um, so even though individuals have our own list of words and different people, different cultures, different backgrounds have different ideas of masculinity. When we look at an average, it's pretty consistent. Um, So we get this list of what a real man looks like and he's tall and he's strong and he makes a lot of money and he works with his hands and he's a caretaker and he's a provider and he's a player and he had lots of sex, and you know, there's <laughs> some of these things. Are con- some of these things are contradictory too. This right. is, yeah. Um, 
But when we get to the what's his sex life like, you know, he's dominant. He has lots of partners who are women. Um, If he has sex with men, he's the one who does the penetrating. He gets erections. He has a large penis. He always ejaculates. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's a really, really uh, consistent group. And then what I do is I I draw a box around that list um, of, of different characteristics. And I ask people to list the names that men get called when we're not all of these things. And what we hear is he's gay, he's a girl, he's a woman, he's a pussy, he's a fag, he's weak, he's a loser. Right. Wow. Um, And all the words there either say that he's gay, he's a woman, or he's a loser, which says some interesting things about homophobia and sexism. Right. Yeah, that so, loser is, so the, the way that I see it is masculinity is contained in this box. Uh, the bricks of the box are sexism and homophobia, and the mortar that holds the bricks together is shame. Interesting. Okay, let me ask you a question, though. I, as, as I'm hearing all of these traits and characteristics and things come up, one thing that comes to my mind is, for me, I kind of look at the world as... I think there is more of like a yin yang. I feel like there is like, there are traits that I think every human exhibits and has inside of them, both that are sort of yin and yang, whatever you want to call them. But I'm wondering if all of these traits are just symbolic of an energy or um, an approach or mentality that is more, I don't want to say aggressive, but more like penetrating more. you like putting yourself out there in the world. Um, engaging a more active versus a more receptive energy. And I'm wondering if, I don't know, do you think it's maybe this backlash or this restriction around the concept of what you're exploring as masculinity is more, um, gosh, like a kickback, like thinking that men can only be that, you know, as opposed to having or encompassing both energies or both like you know what I, mean? I, I think you've gotten I think you've hit the nail on the head. In fact, it's not just that men can be only that, it's that men have to be that. That they can yeah, that they should only right. be that. Right. And they should I, only and I be agree that. with yeah. you that you know, if if we look at the characteristics that different cultures assign as masculine and feminine and, and there there's a lot of overlap but not all the not in every example, right. um, but m- most people can have any of these characteristics at any time. And, you know, somebody might lean towards one end of the spectrum sometimes and very rarely be on the other end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's fine. The, the problem is not with the specific concepts or ideas that are inside that box. The problem is with the idea that men have to be all of them all the time and can never be anything else. Right. Um, it's to, for example, uh, before everyone had GPS on their phones. You know, one of the big jokes about men was that we would never stop and ask for directions when we were lost because that would indicate that we weren't in control. Right. Right. People um, still so love. We, you know, people still love to quote that. I find it's yeah. amazing that it's still a joke that goes around. Yeah. 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 And so. Uh, that's really the problem here. And I think you know, that there was research that was done a few years ago where they gave men of different sexual orientations, they gave them a test that measures where you fall on uh, how much homophobia you have hmm. and uh, where you fall on the sexual orientation spectrum. And then they showed them men different types of porn. They showed them lesbian porn, straight porn, and gay porn. And the men who scored low on homophobia got turned on by the straight porn and the lesbian porn. Um, Some of the men who scored higher on homophobia also got turned on by the gay porn. And the theory, the explanation, is that they had sexual desire towards other men. They felt really conflicted about that. And the way that they tried to navigate that conflict was by being homophobic, whether it was verbal or physical or right. however that played out. So that pretty much uh, supports the, the stereotype of homophobics. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and not all homophobic men got turned on watching gay porn. Okay. But, but it, there was a statistically significant trend oh. there. So you know, I don't want to fall into the trap of saying it's the only reason for homophobia. But, but all I'm simply saying is that a lot of the 
violence and anger towards gays and towards women and for that matter towards transgender people can be traced back to this idea of these very rigid gender roles and what i would like to do is make it more of a buffet right you know here's this here's this list of options and you get to enjoy whichever of these are good for you right you know if 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 you're a guy and you don't like sports that's fine yeah you right. know that's not that's not a big deal and i think this has huge implications for our sex lives i yeah i can i'm that's where i'm going in my head and it's wow um Okay, I, there's a million directions I want to go right now. Do you have, T, do you have any specific questions? <laughs> no, I was just thinking yeah, sorry, I how much I've, I've always loved a good buffet. And I, I hate when we have to just order one thing on the menu. Oh, and okay. I've never understood someone not sharing. I, okay, so here's where I want to go with this. So I, I, I hear you, Charlie, and I, I get what, I do get what you're saying. And I, I'm, as I envision my own boundaries around gender sort of, you know, crumbling or like, hmm, okay, imagine if I could see my man, my partner or men in general or women in general in a different way, what, how that would impact my life. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that sounds interesting. Yet, when I really look at doing that, I do come across a lot of uh, barriers for me. And so, and let's turn it to the bedroom. Um, Yeah, it's hard for me. Like, first of all, in bed, I, domination and submission is something that I'm only just really exploring um or almost even acknowledging right like because I, I suppose sometimes you're like oh when do you call it that right or, yeah so what I mean by that is just becoming aware that that's a thing and like and can you push the you know play with it right now can that I you've, right. now that you've created a framework well here's the thing like I yeah I guess and so what I'm saying is like I've never I've I've known that I've always been uncomfortable with dominating um, or even like having sex on top or or approaching my man in a dominating way. I know that that's always been a thing for me that uh, that I am exploring. But um, so submission has been more my role in the bedroom. But when I think about seeing my partner as uh, someone who's capable of receiving and uh, even enjoying prostate pleasure or... Uh, you know, receiving whatever, if I had a strap on or if I, if I envision being the more being the quote unquote masculine giver, whatever in bed, it makes me uncomfortable. And I'm trying to pinpoint why, but I don't know if I really can other than it kind of makes me uncomfortable to see him in this vulnerable When you've place. also, I wonder, I immediately think, you know, you've never been given the option to develop it as a woman in this call in this society. I mean, a, a couple things I wanted to say to Charlie is, you know, I immediately think of like, American society, I feel like we're talking mostly about the U.S. I mean, even if they are foreigners, they're living here. And, I, and we are a capitalist society, which is very money-driven. Like, and, and also, like, I think about, sorry, this is, this is actually a separate topic. Okay, Let's if get it's back a separate to topic, I, wanna, I want Charlie to chime yeah. in on that. Because... I say... Okay, so I, I think there's at least two different things going on here. Okay. Number one, uh, we have this idea that to be penetrated means to take on the woman's role, to be dominated, to be less of, of less status there are a lot of people for example of less status who, who figure that once a man gets fucked he has somehow given up his masculinity yeah there's a lot of power right. dynamics around that so 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 i i think that has a lot and so that's one thing that you could that that some i get this question a lot so one thing i often suggest is to start looking at what is it that makes you think that being penetrated means somehow losing masculine status um, the the second thing, though, is I talk with quite a few women who, in theory, would really like to see their male partners in a more vulnerable place, a more emotional place, and yet when their boyfriends or husbands or the men in their lives try to step into that, it freaks the women out sometimes mm-hmm. because now the person who they thought of as being the caretaker, the guardian, the protector is no longer in that place of, of strength, that particular place of strength. And so it makes the women feel very vulnerable themselves. And unprotected. Are you referring to the bedroom or because I'm all about my man being vulnerable in conversation and like sharing. uh, Wherever wherever it shows up. I talk to women who get triggered if their boyfriends cry because he's not being strong. But, you know, so that's, that's just another thing to think about is what is it about his vulnerability that is challenging? Uh, I notice something yeah. in myself. Sometimes and, it, and then, well, and, and actually, there's a third piece, if I can jump in, please. which is just the, um, 
Uh, it is a different activity for women to take on that penetrating role and to strap on a dildo or to use their fingers. It's a very different way of interacting with sex. Um, you know, for men who have never received penetration, sex happens outside our bodies. Mm-hmm. And mm, it's a lot easier to do that when you have a headache, you're not really in the mood. Uh, a lot of a lot of men, when uh, we wrote our book on prostate play, they said that they really needed to have their mind, their body, and their heart all in alignment to be able to open up and receive. The men said this. The men said that. Well, that's fascinating um, because but, that's but, what that's but how on, I but feel on the as a woman. Side, a lot of women aren't used to taking on that kind of responsibility in terms of somebody else's vulnerability. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah it's, it's basically like well, if you've been doing ballroom dance for years and you've only ever followed, and now somebody says, all right, it's your turn to lead. Uh, yeah. It's a very different activity. It, it definitely is, yeah. We, wow, but you know, the thing that comes to my mind is I'm like, wow, this is amazing. I want men to experience this because I feel like it would give them so much more insight into me. And maybe because I'm just selfish, but I feel like no, men- no, it doesn't. It does um, because because we always. It, I think it, as it, women, we get so ridiculed. Like, oh, you have a headache. Oh, whatever, whatever. Just put out. Come on, already. Like you're just in your head about all this stuff. And it's like, no, it really is. Like, if I'm not all heart and soul and whatever into it, I don't want to do it. You know. Yeah. yeah one of the things that uh, a lot of men discover about receiving penetrative sex is that. You know, wow, now I understand how I can be super turned on, super into my partner, and still need lots of foreplay before my body is ready for that. Mm. Um, so it's why I believe that the world is going to be a better place when more men take it up the ass. <laughs> <laughs> I totally stand behind well, let me you say on this. that. I have, I have a couple things that I thought of immediately. I, a fr- wait, wait, who's doing what oh. behind me? What? <laughs> no, um, I'm, I'm sad. <laughs> A is behind you right I'm behind now. You. I'm behind and you. She's All super right. I just want to know what you're doing back Supporting there. you. I'm she's thinking about, about putting the strap on on. I'm thinking about it. She's supporting it. you with lots of foreplay and warm up before <laughs> anything surprises you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I actually immediately thought of partners that I've had as a, a heterosexual woman um, and, and that we have ventured down that road with, you know, no anal penetration with them, usually just a finger, that kind of thing. So light, and I, I have enjoyed it sometimes. I'm kind of off and on. I feel like it comes a little bit from laziness <laughs> um, on my part. T admits that she's lazy. <laughs> a, a borderline lazy lover. Uh, I, I'm acknowledging, and so I try to take more active roles. Good but job. I wondered, yeah. as a woman, you know, I do feel like there, uh, being a woman plays a little bit part of that. I go, oh, well, he's going to do everything. I'm just like, great, cool. And if I don't like something, I'll stop. I'll be like, but not that. You know, but, but I'm like, cool, like do your thing. But I started, you know, I've had recent, and this was actually recent that I had an actual, I had a lover that really didn't have any, he was almost like a blank slate. Like he didn't bring his own desires to the table Mm -hmm. to the point that anything he was, he was coming very quickly and it was ending. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't even, what? I can't even come that fast, you know? And, (laughs) And I finally, it happened, you know, two. And then the third time I was like, okay. I have to say, like, I have to speak up. And I right. had never had to speak up before because the man always kind of just did his thing, right? So, and I've talked about this, I think, in a past episode, but I I truly had to voice myself and find this way of asserting. And in that sense, I became the dominant role. And of course, not making him uncomfortable, but in the ways we're talking about, I was asking him to align mon- mind, body, soul, all this stuff, and, and heart, and really take the time to connect and be present. And um, and I had to ask for all of that. And I also, at one point, he was very tired. <laughs> and I was like, well, I want to get off, basically, you know. And, and so, <laughs> no, well, and, and just having, you know, taking, um, I found myself in a position where I, I, it felt very intimidating. I felt vulnerable in my fear of rejection. I All these emotions that I never had to deal with when it's the guy just coming to you. Hmm. Um. Anyway, it was it was eye opening. I feel like it resonates with this idea. Of, Were you uncomfortable with it at all, or was it a role that? Uh, yeah, it was took me a while to say something. Right, I didn't say something right away. Right, yeah. I sat on it for a while, and then even while I was, you know, taking <laughs> taking an active role, I thought, okay, he might reject me. I mean, in a, in a good way, I was checking in with him, you right. know, but. Interesting. Um, uh, uh, we need to take a break real quick. Uh, we're overdue. Um, we're talking with Charlie Glickman. He is somatic sex educator and sex relationship coach. Check out his work at makesexeasy.com, and we'll be back in a minute. Give me a 
Hi, welcome to Pushing Boundaries with Teen A. <laughs> this is T. And I'm A, and, and we're talking... Yeah, Pushing Boundaries with Conventional Thought. And we're talking tonight with Charlie Glickman. Uh, you can find his work at charlieglickman.com and makesexeasy.com if you're interested in his coaching. Um, and uh, You got us so excited, Charlie. We were just I, we're, like, I know, we were like, break. <laughs> we totally were. And then, it, and then the mics went live, and we were like, ah, oh, we're not done talking. So Charlie wrote a book. <laughs> um, he's the co-author of The Ultimate Guide to Prostate Pleasure. Um, and we've been talking about masculinity and uh, and what that means in the bedroom and uh, and many things. But one question that was coming to mind while we were on break, Charlie, was, the, I guess, in the bedroom, as women, as a woman, as women, as T and I are women, and I'm considering involving prostate pleasure more for my man, you know, or in the bedroom. Like I, I, to me, it's not. I haven't reached a point where it's a turn on to me. It's more of like, okay, I need to step outside of being sexually aroused right now and do this thing for you. And, um, which admittedly I haven't fully done if I've played a little bit with partners who have been curious about it, but I, I don't think I've like meaning a little, you know, some, some outside fingers and massaging that kind of thing. Right. But so I don't, so I don't know. Is there a way to make it um, sexually arousing, or can is that I, just can I add a oh, yeah. program? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Can I add from absolutely. my experience? I feel like it's yeah, almost please. like a switch. Like it's sometimes I'm into it, sometimes I'm not. Oh, really? Yeah, but it feels like a short circuiting, like a like a social pressure, and then and then the times that I'm locking into giving to my partner and enjoying the pleasure I'm giving him. Huh. Sorry. Go ahead. So, Charlie. What, yeah. So whether can it be on? hot? Oh, it can absolutely be hot. Uh, the you know, for a lot of people, when they're trying something in bed for the first time, uh, the, there's a lot of reasons why they might not get turned on. You know, they might be nervous. They might be worried. Am I doing it right? I feel like a fool. I don't know what's going on here. And anxiety short circuits arousal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my suggestion is the first couple of times you do it, go into it like a science experiment and just go in and try things and figure out what positions work for your body, what techniques work well for him. And uh, once you have all that information, it's going to become a lot easier to have fun with it. It's like if you're cooking a fancy dinner, you know, for a dinner party that you're having, you want to actually practice all of those dishes once or twice before you have your big night. <laughs> so, it's, so, so, and, and this applies to anything. I mean, bondage or spanking or oral sex. What if any time you're learning something new sexually, uh, make the goal to learn what works rather than an orgasm. And then after you finish your experiment time, then you can go to the things that you already know that you like. I see. Yeah. Um, it's it's a much better way to take the pressure off, uh, and then you might actually discover that watching your boyfriend's eyes roll back in his head and he's, you know, yelling, oh, wow, that's amazing, you start getting more turned on. Yes, I agree with that. Okay. That's my thought. Okay, great. And and what do you recommend? Okay, so again, so the next thing that comes into my mind is for our male listeners out there who are heterosexual and who, um, where, you know, they've maybe kind of heard about this but are sort of scoffing 
um, why would they even be interested in exploring this? Okay, so let me step back one step, okay. which is just to say that human sexual anatomy, we're more similar than we are different. Uh, the penis and the clitoris are very similar tissues. The outer labia and the scrotum is very similar skin. Uh, the right. testicles and the ovaries, we have these tissues that are very, very similar, even though they may look quite different. Um, and the reason why I wanted to step back and say that is because the G-spot uh, for women and the prostate for men are also very, very similar. So to any guy out there, if you have ever had the amazing experience of giving somebody else G-spot massage and seeing how wonderful that feels for her, you have just as much pleasure potential in your prostate Whoa. if you're willing to explore it. That's so exciting. Okay, guys, so, so there you go. Yeah, so the, so the G-spot and the pro like you know, in fact there are people who call the prostate the male G spot. Right. You know what's yeah. okay. That's great. That's great. And what's coming to mind is, I guess it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. And I feel like there would be a lot of liberation, I guess, in energetically or spiritually or internally of like, I guess, of men, I guess, of both men and women, sort of um, diving into receiving and giving. In a way, more, more yeah. empathy, more understanding of each other. I mean, you, you have well, to. And also your relationship think, think with yourself. It, think about it like this. If, if you were going to go pay a massage therapist for body work, right. Right, who do you think would be better able to do it? Somebody who had learned all the tricks and techniques but had never received the back rub or someone who had learned and also been on the receiving side? True. Right. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, yeah, and, and the other thing that I think is really important is to remember that where your nerve endings are, that's what kinds of sexual stimulation feel good for you. Who you want to have sex with, that's your sexual orientation. And those two things are not related to each other. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's a good just, point. Just like what kinds of food you like to eat is completely separate from who you want to go out to dinner with. Beautiful. So well that's, that, that is a really... Great distinction. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I talk to straight guys all the time who get up the curves to try prostate play and find that it just completely rocks their world. I can imagine. Well, I wanted to say, yeah, my my experience actually has been with my male partners. The I think the ones that I've had, well, I mean, stronger relationships with or a really good sexual connection with, they'll they'll start going towards the anal play with me, and right. I I do enjoy it. Not you know, some days I'm like. You know, little tense, but other days it's really nice, and um, and I find that if they're doing it, then I go, oh, okay, then they're maybe they're more open to this, so I'll go that way myself for them, and they usually are receptive, or they'll they and they like it, um, you know, and and I I guess I'm not advocating non communication, but based on their body language, yeah, their body language that they are receptive to it, um, you know, it's I I don't sort of before say hey like as a heterosexual man are you okay with me you know going there um, and, I, and I guess I say that because I think you're right I mean, based on what you're saying like there is a lot of I don't know assumed fear around it or ideas of what masculinity is but I, f I find that there are a lot of heterosexual men that are open to it and then I also had a male partner that had never done that in any way and we discovered that he had a lot of pleasure around it like you're saying you know very much heterosexual but enjoys enjoys it a lot um, and it was an amazing discovery to have with him. And it probably can go a lot yeah. farther than it did. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have to, I reassure straight men all the time that it's just because they enjoy a particular sex act, if they're doing it with a woman, they're still straight. <laughs> and, and it's funny that right. they need to hang ding, on ding, to ding. that title. It's about the genders, not the act. Right, right, right. But also the, yeah, the importance of the of the title. Um, yeah. But it is funny, you know, I, yeah, I, the there are people that, that have... Anyway, I don't know what I want to say. The boundaries around. I mean, I had a friend who called me actually alarmed about having a sexual experience with a woman who used her finger um, to penetrate him anally, and, and he was really startled and upset, and, and started saying all this stuff to me about it. And I, you know, and I kind of chuckled, and I said, honestly, I think it's fairly normal. I mean, if she was aggressive in a way that made you uncomfortable, you have a right to, you know, you it's your imperative it. to speak up and say, yeah. I don't like this. I was like, but her, well, you know, although you know, I, I would actually suggest, I mean, and I hear what you're saying that you know, sometimes it can be really fun to add something in the heat of the moment. But the difficulty is that lots of people of any gender, and we usually talk about this happening with women, but certainly plenty of men also have challenges saying in the middle of sex, hey, what are you doing? 
I'm not sure I like that. That's true. So, I, I, yeah. you know, there, I think there's a middle path. Like you could be giving someone a blowjob and tickle around the outside. Right. And if he seems to be into it, when you're done having sex, you might say to him, wow, yeah, when I, when I was tickling you around the outside, that you really seem to like that. Have you ever thought about doing anything more than that? Um, because okay. yeah. uh, I, I wouldn't want to create a situation where somebody didn't feel comfortable saying no in the heat of the moment, right. and then afterwards they so have a, a, an emotional reaction. Right. Good point. Yeah. Right. So, but, but coming back to the prostate. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I would love to see more men try this. I think, I think it has, you know, the, the more we can tune into the pleasure potential of our bodies, the more fun we can have. Yes, and I I I feel like the physical. I'm I'm a I'm a, and I'm probably more the esoteric end of of uh, this show, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, but um, for me, I feel like the physical is a of representation or um, a manifestation of everything else that's going on inside of us: our emotions, our beliefs, our thoughts, our everything else. And so, what intrigues me about all of this is that. I think it's bringing to light the, uh, I guess, that we are perhaps um, blocking off a large portion of ourselves by um, identifying and being so rigid within our gender, you know, masculinity and femininity and like not me not being accepting of my guy's vulnerability or me not being able to step into dominance or, you know, I guess more of a, you know, giving position. And so to me, I think there's, a lot of value in seeing what even that getting in that position or any of these new positions will bring emotionally and how it can unlock us. I don't know. So I think it's valuable. You are absolutely right. And, and besides which, you know, it's, uh, I I know I keep comparing things to food, but you know, Mm -hmm. we, we go around this life once, let's try as many different flavors and figure out what does taste good. You really, might be surprised at how good it tastes. Right. And well, and also just the level of exploration there is. I mean, I think we're so rigid in our defining of what it, you know, what we like and sort of and how we identify ourselves. And then it's that's just confining. And there's really instead of coming into it with assumptions going, hey, you know, I'm going to read a book and and sort of discover (laughs) that there's all these different, like you're saying, different flavorings and toppings and spices that you can put into the into your salad. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, and it is going to mean that there's times when, you're, when you have some discomfort. You know, if, there, if you're never uncomfortable, you're not learning anything. Um, this and is important so, to remember, yeah. I, and, and, that, and that's the same if we're talking about learning math or learning martial arts or how to fix a car or how to bake a cake. Right. Right. I mean, some, sometimes you try something and you know, you have to lean into that edge of discomfort to get to the good stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well said. All right, but where were we? Let's well, come back we wanted to, prostate, to touch on. We got very theoretical there. Prostate, yeah, and maybe also um, touch on strap-ons a little bit. Sure. Yeah. So you, I, I got to say, though, I think the best way to start with prostate play is with fingers. Um, you know, it's, they, they are, hands are, incredibly sensitive, attuned uh, givers of pleasure. I mean, I love sex toys. I think they have a lot of great things about them, but there's something about using your hands that is just intimate in this very different way. Um, And so my suggestion would be to go to the drugstore and get some gloves uh, because I'm all about cleanliness. I'm a a Jewish Virgo, so I really worry about (laughs) cleanliness. Um, and get some lubricant. Uh, I favor a nice thick silicone lubricant because it's really long lasting. And, uh, you know, there's lots of massage tips and techniques. There's lots of tricks that you can use to make penetration easier. Of course, they're all mentioned in, uh, in the book, but as a starting place, you could also check out the book's website, uh, prostatepleasureguide.net. Um, when we wrote the text, we wanted to make sure people had enough of the basics to get started because you do have to be a little careful with anal play. Yeah. Um, but start off with fingers. You know, the toys will always be there later. Okay, great. 
I agree. Yeah, that's good. It's yeah. a good place to start. Okay, great. And um, so we're we're running out of time, Charlie. Oh, and we are. We Look are. I know. I know it went so fast. <laughs> I know, but I'm glad that you mentioned that because um, what I'm going to do is run out and get your book, <laughs> and which I hear is a very fun read, and um, and use that as a study guide because I I, I think that this is something for myself I want to explore, and I think uh, I think everybody I think it could benefit everybody. So. Um, awesome. Yeah, so awesome. so Charlie's book, uh, it's Charlie Glickman, and he's the co-author of the book, The Ultimate Guide to Prostate Pleasure, Erotic Exploration for Men and Their Partners, and you can find it everywhere. And you can uh, find Charlie's work on charlieglickman.com and also makesexeasy.com if you're interested in his uh, in more of his coaching aspect and maybe seeing him as a therapist. Can I say that? Oh, as therapist? a coach. As a coach, okay. Yeah, and... Yeah. Um, and I guess that's about it. Yeah, gosh, we're so sad to be out of time, but you I know. are fascinating. I could go for another thank hour. thank you for all of your great knowledge. Um, this is Pushing Boundaries with TNA. I'm T. And I'm A. And we're Pushing Boundaries on Conventional Thought. Tweet us at TA Sex Talk. This is